Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Uh, You can also find us at BleedCubbyBlue.com, and we are blasting content from every episode on our Twitter, which is at Cup of Cubby Blue, and you should totally follow us. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz, being a second. I'm a contributor for Cubs Den. All right. So it's probably seems crazy since, you know, it's the off season and things should be slow. But I feel like it's been a crazy news week since we last talked. What about you, Andy? Yeah, there is definitely um, some things going on in baseball, not necessarily pertaining to baseball, but um yeah, definitely some things to talk about that I'm 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 very interested to hear your take on some of these. Yeah, well, there's also definitely some baseball things going on too. So let's start with what I think is probably the biggest one. And Al wrote about this yesterday on the site. Um, there's also a really good piece in Sports Illustrated from I think Emma Bottrelli. Um, I'm I apologize if I mispronounced that. Um, but they're gonna do a bunch of different rule changes for next season. And some of these were things that we have been reading about for a while now. Some of these things um, are just getting kind of cleared up. Like we knew they were looking at a reliever rule. We knew that they were looking at changing September call-ups. But let's just go through a few of these. I'll start with uh, the one that fans will probably notice the most, which is that when relievers come into the game in 2020, they will have to either face three batters or pitch to the end of the half inning. What do you think? Well, um, this can be good, I guess, and this can be bad. I understand why they're implementing it, and it's namely to speed up the pace of the game, which I feel like a lot of these you'll see I think are kind of geared towards that goal um but I think when it comes to teams that are really looking at the matchups and have their bullpens set up as such and depending on what teams you're really um breaking it down for this can be probably not the best rule to come into play um as far as 2019 is concerned with our bullpen, this would have been an awful rule. <laughs> I mean, seriously, am I the only one that can throw a skill pitching somewhere? Like, if, right. if this is it, there's some game from like Texas or something at the start of the season, and CJ is still throwing to the Rangers have batted around like 47 times. Oh my God. Or, like, in our case, it should also be an added bullet point that or until your arm falls off. <laughs> I mean, like, I have seen know, way too back. many I've seen way too many Cubs relievers come out of the bullpen completely unable to throw strikes. So we're just going to yeah, let Steve Pichek yeah. or Pedro Strope, or, well, I guess we have to see if they're going to resign Pedro Strope. Um, P.S., you should resign Pedro Strope for a small amount of money because uh, he's Strope and he's awesome. But anyway – they're just going to throw like 12 balls, load the bases. It's like, Oh, okay. Now you can pull him. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's like all of these rule changes could come into play for us. If they don't like, (laughs) if the, if the pitchers can't figure out how to throw strikes, then, you know, you, you, you run into the, 
you know, a position player pitches if there's a six run differential, like that role would come into play in the same inning. Like, like it's just uh, some reason here. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a little alarming when you have a bullpen that, that showed up like ours did. Totally. Um, (laughs) Another rule that people will definitely notice when you're watching in 2020. Okay. So September, uh, in case you didn't know, the rosters expanded previously. The, the entire 40-man roster was eligible to come up and play. So that's going to change. Uh, the roster will expand to 28 for September. The roster will also expand to 26 players for the regular season. So I guess everybody gets an extra bullpen arm. I don't know. Um, I want to know. I want to know who negotiated forty down to twenty eight. Like, I want to know what their thought process was. I don't think they did not. I don't. I don't really think they did. So, if I'm reading this correctly, these are rules changes that MLB can implement, just like they did with the automatic intentional walk and the reduction in mound visits. And frankly, like, I am kind of shocked that they did the forty down to twenty eight one, mainly because of the way it affects labor relations, which we all know aren't good already. Well. I mean, 40, 40 down to 28, like we can't ease you into that rule. Like we're just going to just hack it all the way off. Like, I mean, oh, great. Thanks. You're giving us two more. Thank you. You know, it just, I don't know. That just seems really drastic to me. And it feels like they could have met somewhere in the middle on that. Like maybe start off at 30 and then see what happens or even, you know, 32 and see if that works and then slide it down even more. I don't know. That just seems like a drastic drop to go from 40 to 28. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And it's a lot of service time that players are no longer going to be able to accumulate in September. And I just think that that is going to be a point of contention when they renegotiate the CBA, because think of all the people who have started their playing time clock in September um, in previous years. The other thing here, and Cubs fans may not remember this because it hasn't really been this way um, for a couple of years now, but when teams have had, you know, a pretty sizable division lead, they've been able to use that roster expansion to rest some key players in the run-up to the postseason. And you just, I guess you just can't do that <laughs> anymore because uh, you won't have quite the bench that you would have had before. Yeah, it's so unfortunate because you're also taking away a lot of opportunity for those young guys who look forward to that September call up. You know, I mean, that's 12 guys that may never see the light of major league of of the bigs because of this rule now. I don't know. I don't love it. I think it's really drastic. And I think you're taking opportunities away from people that maybe deserve it at that that point of the year for what that was designed for. Absolutely. Um, Okay, here is. This is so long. I don't even want to read it verbatim. I'm, I'm going to kind of try to summarize it and hopefully it will make sense in summary. Um, so new rule, <laughs> you must label every player on the roster as either a pitcher or a position player. I guess Manfred was very upset at all of the position players pitching because, you know, Rob Manfred hates fun um, or a two-way player. And in order to be a true two-way player, a player must have one season with at least 20 innings pitched and 20 games started with three plate appearances or more as a position player or designated hitter. I I was going to say, keep going. Don't stop. It's it's much longer than that. Keep going. (laughs) This is a a solution in search of a problem. Does anybody really think that it's that big of a problem that position players pitch sometimes when games are out of control? 
I mean, I guess the people that have the job of making rules are probably not big fun people anyway. So let's just go ahead and just, you know, rain on our parade all the way. I don't know. What? This is just, this seems ridiculous to me. <laughs> I hate this. It seems like, I, I hate it seems like overkill. Like some of the <laughs> most purely fun moments that have happened for the Cubs when they've been in blowout games where they've been losing, right? And look, a blowout is never fun. So let's not all pretend that we loved those games where we were down like 10 runs or whatever, because none of us did. But it's fun when, you know, Anthony Rizzo comes in to pitch for an inning and then we can joke about how Anthony Rizzo has a zero ERA and is the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. That is fun. And he's not hurting himself. It saves the bullpen for, uh, you know, the next day when you actually might have a chance to win. I just don't understand why this rule is even necessary. Um Apparently, this also has to do with it's it's because of Shohei Otani, but I don't know why it mattered. Like, what did it matter? Why did you need a new rule? Because Shohei Otani exists, or Michael Lorenzen for that matter. Right. I think it's pretty spectacular that there's people like that that are actually involved in Major League Baseball and they should be celebrated, not have rules made after totally. them. Like, it just you don't need rules. seems ridiculous. Yeah. Like, also, what, we're going to worry about somebody trying to get their, well, got to throw Victor for his 20th inning. Right. I, I hate it. Right. I hate it. I, I'm sorry, but guys are not showing up to spring training that are your players like, all right, um, can I throw a couple couple innings off the mound just in case? Like, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, it's just, just ridiculous to me. It seems silly. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so if you liked it when Travis Wood played left field or you thought it was great when Victor Caratini pitched every now and again, no more Cubs fans, no more. Um, okay. New rule. Uh, this deals with the injured list. The, um, injured, the minimum time on the injured list for pitchers goes from 10 days to 15 days, but the 10 day IL will still exist for position players. I guess that this is just to make sure pitchers really miss some starts when they're injured. (laughs) Yeah, and this pretty much does away with our um, our beloved Iowa shuttle. Yes, totally. Yeah, this this is to limit the, you know, massive problem with guys getting some spot starts in the bullpen or whatever. <laughs> or not starts, but you know what I mean, some yeah. roster time yeah. in the bullpen. Right. They deactivate and reactivate people left and right, and we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Can, okay, aside here, and this is going to relate to what we're going to talk about next, Can, can we have a commissioner who likes baseball? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> uh, it's a do great still- question. It really is a great question. <laughs> these rules don't even, like, I, who thinks any of these things are big enough problems that it's worth, you know, I'm going to decree some rules from on high. God, Rob Manfred is the worst, y'all. Might like, be the seriously. title. Rob Manfred is the worst, y'all. When is his time up? <laughs> is, is he on the clock yet? Like when, when is the time up? No, they're definitely going to keep him around through the next CBA. Cause he did such a great bang up job with the last one. Ugh. Yeah. I, I miss, I miss Selig and I never thought I would say that I missed Bud Selig, but I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I feel like I've kind of admitted that to myself multiple times this year and then big time this year there this week when I read that piece I was like oh god this is awful oh and he's not done yet there's more so uh let's also talk about major league baseball's quote-unquote 
plan. I, this is just a terrible idea. So they plan to eliminate 42 minor league teams. Um, and what they want to do is realign all of the affiliates. Basically, that amounts to like 25% of minor league ball clubs. Uh, I have yet to find someone who likes this idea. <laughs> well, okay. Can I can I have a short story time here for a second? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I looked at the list of teams that would be cut from um, existence based on this proposal or based on whatever he's going to do with this. And two teams that are on the list that will no longer exist after this goes through are teams that are very near and dear to my heart. One is the Clinton Lumber Kings. And the other is, I believe they're the Quad City Bandits, or they were when I was, when I grew up up there. So where I'm from is smack dab in between Chicago and the Quad Cities. And my family, I am the oldest of four kids. So my family didn't always have the money to go into Chicago to Cubs games for a family of six. That's quite expensive. I mean, even back then it was, it was not really feasible for us to do all the time. So we would always go to the West and go to Clinton Lumber King games. I have so many memories and not just my family, but like my uncles and cousins and we would go and it was just such a great experience for everybody to get to go to a baseball game and experience that and have fun and the Lumber Kings are, are housed right on the river. So they'd always have fireworks and there's the riverboat right there. It was just a really cool atmosphere. So when I saw their name on that list, I'm not going to lie. I probably shed a tear. It's just, it's like a really sentimental thing for their name to be on that list and to think about them not existing. I'm sure their stadium is completely run down. From what I understand, these teams were chosen based on um, their facility quality, the proximity to their opponents and their parent teams and the league that they play in. So I get why, why they're on the list of, of teams to be axed, but it's just such a hard thing to swallow. I don't even know why it's a necessity. And some of these teams that are on that list have been told by their organizations that they needed to make um, improvements, whether it be at their facility or around their facility, whatever else, to be able to stay with their affiliate. And th they did that. And now they're still on this list to get axed. So it's just really not a cool thing at all for so many different reasons. But I had a really sentimental connection to why I think this this really sucks, to be quite frank. I 100% agree with you. And frankly, I don't think they need to be asked. I think that this is again, well, and I'll explain what I think uh, the motivation for this move is on the part of the owners in a minute. But I, I think this is again, them trying to create a solution where no problem exists. The problem with minor league baseball at the moment is that the players are not paid enough. And so a bunch of people are living on sub poverty wages and being asked to play in spring training for free because it's considered an audition for reasons that are frankly beyond me. And so there are a lot of minor league ball players who quite literally cannot make ends meet and are, you know, driving Uber assignments and getting jobs in the off season and doing everything they can just on the hopes of keeping their dream alive. And the answer to that is to take some of the revenue, some of the vast record setting billions and billions of dollars amount of revenue that exist in the game and invest it in minor leaguers. It would cost like, I, I saw the math, somebody did it. It was not me, but if you take like the 25 man roster for all of these 40 teams, 
the cost to bump their pay, like to give everybody an extra $10,000 or $15,000 or whatever it is, is so small relative to the impact in some of these towns of having those teams that this just makes zero sense. It is the exact opposite thing as to what baseball should be doing. Baseball has an exposure problem. They need more people to love the game. They need people going to those games in Quad Cities and in Clinton and in Tennessee and wherever else these teams are. They don't need to be cutting those opportunities for fans. And it actually, I can't find the article right now, but it broke my heart a little bit because they were talking about one of these teams where they were told that they were going to lose their minor league team if they didn't pass a $1 million bond to improve the stadium. And so they were making a decision between whether or not they should pass that bond or whether they should um, fix their police station, right? And the town made the decision to invest a million dollars in the stadium not in the police station, and now they're being told they're going to lose their team anyway, and I am furious about this. This is awful. <laughs> there was a The piece I do have up in front of me is from sportsbusiness.com, and frankly, and we, don't, we try really hard not to get too political on this show, but I, you're going to have to forgive me for one second. We finally found something that is bipartisan, that like all members of Congress can agree on, because 104 con- con- Congress people from both parties have signed a letter to the commissioner of major league baseball saying one, you cannot do this to our communities. And two, if you do it, we will threaten baseball's antitrust exemption. We'll take another look at it in Congress. So I feel like that is a gauntlet being thrown at the commissioner's office. And I just don't know why they can't just pay minor leaguers more. Yeah. uh, and, and actually, I have the article that you were talking about right in front of me, and it's um, Elizabethton, Tennessee, was the um, town Thank that ha- was yeah. forced to do the. Um, and actually, they they were told by the Minnesota Twins, they're in that organization, that they had to do a million dollars modernizing the clubhouse at a city-owned ballpark. So, and basically, when the organization parent quote unquote speaks, they have to do whatever is asked of them. So it's just, it's, it's a really sad situation and people don't really grasp, I think, how poorly these minor league players are treated. And it just, it's like, they're less than human almost, because if you recall, like you and I spoke about this on the podcast, um, a minor leaguer that had got added to the roster, I believe it was for the Yankees or no, it was for for the the Twins. Yeah. The Yankees were being jerks. Yes, and Yankees fans started yelling Uber at him because he had to drive an Uber in the offseason to make ends meet. I mean, just stuff like that. It's just really ridiculous that it's so overlooked and so ignored by people who could really help the situation and just choose not to, just choose to look the other way. It's just really, it's really aggravating. It's hard to swallow. And being a baseball fan, you know, and you'll hear me say it time and time again that, yes, I understand this is a business, but this part of the business just really sucks, just to be well, point blank. It is a business, but it's a business where they could easily afford to keep the 42 minor league teams, pay minor leaguers more, and not lose that much money. I mean, there was an article that I shared um, on Facebook. I'll see if I can find it to share on Twitter a while back talking about how the Blue Jays doubled their minor leaguer salaries this year and basically just made a huge difference for all of their minor leaguers. And everybody was so excited and they didn't have to worry about like living paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure out how they were going to make rent when they just didn't have enough money to anymore. And why can't 
all of these clubs just do that. This is pure greed. This is billionaires who don't want to shell out a million dollars and would rather take away the teams from 42 towns. And that, frankly, is short-sighted because though that is your fan base. Those kids are going to learn to love baseball in Elizabethtown or Clinton or Quad Cities or Ogden, Utah, or any other number of places where you can still go see a baseball game for like five bucks and enjoy a night out with your family. Well, and the other side of that too, that you probably were getting to, but I'll just go ahead and go there is um, part of this was that they are going to limit 150 minor league players per organization. Right. So like, like organizations like the Yankees who have nine minor league teams have well over 200 minor league players. There's a lot of players there that are going to be cut. And I mean, granted at some point in their life, they will have to enter the actual workforce unless, you know, they have long prosperous careers, but you know, that's the exception, not the rule. So, you know, I mean, it's just to just do away with baseball, to just do away with baseball players. It just seems so avoidable. Like there's, there's got to be another solution. There's got to be another way to figure this. And these people who are running this multi-billion dollar industry, this multi-billion dollar business, you would think have the means to figure out the ways to do this. That is not, you know, killing off baseball one team at a time. I could not agree more. So anyway, if you care about the game, if you care about these minor league teams, stay on it. If you happen to be a person on social media, make sure other people know about it. And if one of your Congress people is signed on to this bill, and we'll make sure that we share this article from sportsbusiness.com so people can see um, which Congress people those are, uh, you can either try to get your congressperson on that bill or you can thank your congressperson for supporting baseball. Because frankly, I think the only thing that will stop Major League Baseball from doing this is if their antitrust exemption is threatened. I think if they were actually about to lose that and if Congress really did sort of say, no, you can't do this, or we're going to start treating you like any regular business, and you're going to have to deal with all the same rules other businesses deal with, they would pull back. And um, in layman's terms, that basically means they have to start paying a boatload of taxes that are pretty much, they don't pay right now. So in other words, they would be hitting them in the wallet. Right. Um, okay. So while we're talking about Major League Baseball and their controversies, Andy, how you feeling about the Astros and the sign-stealing controversy that just keeps on giving? <laughs> oh, dear God. Like, seriously? Like, what? what is... Oh, my goodness. I... I am like, I don't know. I turn my alerts on for Jeff Passan, which, you know, I don't typically do that for big national writers because they tend to tweet a lot and my phone just kind of explodes when stuff like this is happening. But I've enjoyed just about every tweet coming from him and he's at the owners meetings this week and there's a lot of stuff going down. Like it's to me, like major league is serious this time and I'm here for it. Like, let's let's break this thing wide open. Let's explore every possible team that has allegations out there. Because from what I understand, there's a few. Yeah, no, it's so that's one thing I want to talk about. I mean, let's just go there. I wrote about this for Baseball Prospectus this week. Um, you know, there are suspicions that the Brewers are one of the teams that has a robust sign stealing operate operation. I have not seen proof of that at anywhere near the level that we've seen proof for the Astros. Uh, our friends at Bleacher Nation published a piece that looked at a specific game where you Darvish sort of saw Christian Yelich's eyes 
look towards the bullpen and then he stepped off the mound and Darvish himself actually um, confirmed that he did step off the mound because he was suspicious. Uh, Christian Yelich immediately overreacted <laughs> and went like totally nuclear at you Darvish and said something like nobody needs help facing you or something, which by the way, is just absurd. The, the Brewers all do need help facing Darvish <laughs> like a team OPS of 585 against him or something ridiculous. But even beyond that, um, it just turned into this big back and forth. Number one, if you don't follow you, Darvish, on Twitter already, what are you even doing? It's 2019. Get on that. He's awesome. But number two. Why are you on Twitter if you don't follow you, Darvish? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Two, I feel like it's not just going to be the Brewers here. Like, I am not, I can't be the only person that's like going through all of the home and away splits and everything else and wondering if you can find signs of people stealing signs or other robust operations in other ballparks. And I, yeah, I feel like this is not just going to be the Astros. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. I'm just kind of biding my time until the next team's name gets announced being investigated. Cause that was one thing that I've read a lot this week that um, they're not, prepared right now to say any other team will be investigated as of right now but if you read any of the tweets from like Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passan or any of these guys um, they seem to indicate that major league officials have said there are other teams that will be investigated after the Astros have been fully investigated and the punishment has been handed down so I'm I'm like I'm ready for this. I kind of feel like this is gonna be um a little bit of a like I don't know what do you want to say? Um I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I'm like ready for all of this stuff to come falling down. Like I feel like there's gonna be a lot more to this than what we even know now. And I feel like we know quite a bit. Um I don't know if you saw the picture of the little setup supposedly that the Astros had behind um, like, I guess, some towels in their dugout. Did you see that? There was, no, tell me more. Um, so apparently, like, when you step down the stairs into their dugout, there was um, kind of like, you know, when you get to the landing, there's kind of like um, a screen type thing oh, yeah, yeah, set up. Yeah. And there's a table back there with like sunflower seeds all over the floor. Like someone had just been sitting there and there's a chair and a computer sitting there and, um, and a power strip. So it was like somebody was sitting there doing, Oh, and there was a trash can, a plastic trash can. Like if you've listened to the videos and you've heard the bang, bang, bang on a trash can, like the kind of trash can that would make that noise, they were all right there grouped together. Now, why in God's earth would there be sunflower seeds on the floor if there's a trash can right there, if you're not using the trash can for something else? I don't no, know. Totally, I, yeah. I, 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 I tend to, I'm like a Nancy Drew over here, okay? I love to <laughs> I love to look into stuff like this. So I seeing that setup, I was like, that's it. They're done. Like they completely 100%, I believe that they are stealing signs. They're, I don't think that they're, there's any way that setup exists if they weren't. Like what would you even be doing right there? It just it, it wouldn't make sense to have something like that all right there to do anything else. So I don't know. I'll be really interested to hear when some of the some of the information comes out. But I, I just really think we're going to we're going to hear a lot more than probably what we're prepared to hear. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, 
I will just full disclosure, I did get into a little bit of back and forth with some of the Brewers fans when uh, the Yelich Darvish thing was going on because I had to stand up for you like all of us did. Um, and we all know that Christian Yelich had some crazy home road splits last year. It is worth noting that the Cubs also had some crazy home road splits last year. There were some players on the Cubs who had some really ridiculous home road splits. So I don't think you can just look at home road splits and see what is going on there. I will say, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I did find out last season, the reason the Cubs don't dance in the bullpen anymore is related to this. They put an eight second delay on every camera in every ballpark um, at the start of the 2019 season. And so that means that the bullpen players actually can't see when a home run is hit immediately. So there would be an eight second delay anytime they were to hit a home run if they were to dance. And so can thank the Astros and whatever other clubs were stealing signs for the lack of the dancing bullpen. (laughs) Well, I have a feeling I'm going to be thanking them for a lot more here soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Over those rings, 2017. (laughs) I don't think we get the ring. I don't know who does, but the I don't know. We, that's a, that is a question for another day. We are actually, uh, well over our time to take a quick break. So we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors. And then on the flip side, um, we're going to talk about some cool, cute cub news and maybe a trade or two. All right. Uh, we are back. So I think we covered all of the controversy in the first half of the episode, all of the bad things that are going on because of major league baseball, I want to talk about some cute, wonderful things. And I want to start with Anthony Rizzo's puppy. Did you see these pictures of Anthony Rizzo's puppy, Andy? Okay. So um, we are just, I was just saying, give us those rings, Houston. I have a perfect idea. The rings can be (laughs) dog toys for Kevin. I mean, why not? They're going to be completely worth nothing here soon when they take away their world championship title. So we'll just use those as dog toys for Kevin because Kevin is the cutest darn dog I've ever seen. I mean, my dog's pretty cute, but Kevin's cute. And then to put him in like a toy story theme right oh there. God. Okay, come on. That's just too much. Too much. Yes. So if you didn't see this over the weekend, Anthony Rizzo got a puppy and he was like, he basically had a bunch of um, Toy Story stuffed animals like piled all over him. And he had like a Woody hat on and it was the cutest thing. Well, it was the cutest thing I saw for like two days. And then, I don't know, KP and Rizzo must have like some competitive thing going on. I'm telling you, because within two days of Anthony Rizzo stealing the show with Kevin, we got news that the Bryants are going to have a baby. And I just thought that that was such a cute announcement. Well, I mean, and how funny is it that he names a dog Kevin? Like, that's like not a dog name to me. No, it's not. Like, I, I actually and it's, it's, bring, uh, we had a rule about that in our house that you couldn't name dogs people names. Because what if you ever met a person with that name and then your dog was the same? That would just be bad. Like, my mom was okay. really obsessive about it. That's hilarious that you say that because my dog's name is Ivy and Dexter Fowler's youngest daughter's name is Ivy. But... <laughs> My dog, I had my dog before Ivy was born. So see, I also think that like Ivy might be the exception because there, you know, there are certain names that are, yes, they're, they can be used for humans, but they're also like non-human things. Oh so, yeah. Like, you named a dog Sandy. Nobody would think it was weird that you had a dog named Sandy because like the dog in Annie is named Sandy. Right. But like, right, yeah. 
you can also have people named Sandy. Right. Men <laughs> so and I women. Think I think it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think Kevin, Kevin is just so random. It's Kevin just a very is not, random name. Kevin is not in the same. Ew. How funny would it be? How funny would it be if Kevin was the name that the Bryants were going to name their baby boy and Rizzo said not so fast and named his dog Kevin? <laughs> no How Kevin funny would that Bryant be? For you. Yeah, you get no Kevin Bryant. We have Kevin Rizzo. Step off. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so anyway, expect Bryant to, if he's still a Cub, which I'm yeah, 75-25 that he will still be a Cub next year. Um for me anyway, I think that uh, look for him to miss some time in April towards the start of the season, because that is when baby Brian is due. And so he's probably going to go on paternity leave at some point in April. Yeah. I mean, cause why not? At least it's not like September. <laughs> I appreciate his thoughtful timing. Frankly, way to go, Jess Bryant. We we appreciate your your thoughtfulness on this one because I'm Absolutely. sure this is probably hey, had a lot to do with you. I'm a planner. <laughs> you got to make sure that these things are timed appropriately. Um, I, can... I'm a planner unless it comes to children's birth. <laughs> oh my god! Are you saying that your daughters were not like planned no, as but... to the most convenient no. due date? No, you know this. My two oldest daughters are less than a year apart. So, yes, of course I'm not a planner when it comes to children's birth. Well, I didn't know if we'd ever talked about it on the show, so I didn't want to, like, presume. Uh, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, some Cubs baseball news, since that is what we are ostensibly here for. We haven't had a lot of signings on the Cubs side of things or trade rumors. There have been a couple of signings notably the Braves did some work right before the uh, qualifying offer deadline they signed uh, former Giants uh, reliever Will Smith and they also signed re-signed Chris Martin so um, they're making moves over there in Atlanta <laughs> that Will Smith signing makes the Braves a lot better I think that's really a team to watch in 2020 um, but we did get a question uh, to our Cup of Cubby Blue account and while we answered part of this last time, so we're probably not going to dive into the Contreras trade rumors again, just because we spent so much time on that in episode 51. Ari, make sure you go check that out in episode 51. Um, he was wondering what the pros and cons of dealing Contreras or and Hayward to get back a short-term two-year solution at second base and center field would be. And I think you can answer that question without necessarily talking about the Contreras part of it, like should the Cubs make a deal for a solid second baseman and center fielder, what would that deal have to look like? And would it free up enough money to sign up something like a Cassianos? What do you think, Andy? Oh man. I mean, there's so many moving parts to a question like that though, too, because you obviously have to be willing to let go of something to do that. And if we're talking specifically Jason Hayward, I don't, think that's your best move um you know well, I don't know Hayward, sorry I don't mean to jump in but one thought no, you're I fine. thought about the Hayward piece quite a bit mainly because Theo does have a history of doing um what I think of as bad contract swaps and I don't mean to imply that Hayward is a bad contract so I know I have some friends who are absolutely Jason Hayward defenders I'm a Jason Hayward defender too 
but I think a lot of people would agree that he is making more money than he would make if he were on the open market right now. And so the way that you do a bad contract swap is you take the player who is being paid too much, you partner them with an option that is cheaper, right? So you would need like a Contreras or maybe a Schwarber or something in there for that. And then you get back another contract that's probably not great, plus somebody who is also cheaper, right? So you're trying to like swap those pieces and everybody sort of takes on roughly the same liability at the end. But so what what this person is asking is essentially, are you willing to, if you do pair up like a Hayward with, I don't know, a Schwerber, you're, are you willing to create a hole to fix a hole? Correct. You know, and that's, yeah. that, mean, that's, that's why he uses Contreras as the example, because ostensibly at least Caratini makes that less of a hole than some other positions. I, yes, I, I, I can see that people would think that, but to me, and that's one thing I, I really had to like rewire myself to feel this off season is, you know, yes, I, I keep harping and preaching that we need to probably come to terms with the fact that we're going to lose some core people, some people that we're used to seeing day in and day out. There's a number of reasons why that doesn't sit well with me, but one of them that didn't sit, that wasn't even on my radar that should have been is at the same time we're doing stuff like that, we're creating holes where we already have enough of those holes. So I get why we would have to do it. I get that we need to do it to be able to get anything of value back or get multiple pieces for maybe one piece. I understand that. But, you know, people are in such a hurry to say, yes, let's go ahead and deal so-and-so and deal so-and-so. But I don't think they fully understand that when you do that, that, it might not be a complete hole. Like it might be something where you can throw an Ian Happ in there, but is that um, going to be the equivalent of your original piece? And I, if that, if any of that makes sense, but to me, I'm just not comfortable with, you know, just throwing people around in trades because you're creating holes where there is obviously talented individuals, maybe not producing talented individuals, but folks that, you know, we've done had a, a, good amount of success over the past few years and if we're talking about you know getting rid of some of these big pieces then we have to be prepared for what that looks like when they're not in the cubs uniform and to me it's quite alarming like i don't think jason hayward is somebody that you want to move but like you said he does have a um theo does have a, a track of of uh track record of of kind of swapping out those contracts so we'll see what it looks like but i just I don't know that it's worth it to, to start doing stuff like that. I think it'd almost be better to try and find um, an internal replacement that can, you know, move into that spot and, and be your everyday starter or, you know, or something, something else. But those big pieces that have been pretty productive for us the past couple of years, I think are, are pieces that you may want to think about holding on to. I mean, I obviously agree with that. I don't want Wilson Contreras as part of any contract swap. I would like Wilson Contreras to be a Cub next year. I'm going to wear my Contreras jersey to opening day. as uh, <laughs> That'll be my statement piece for opening. I might wear my Contreras jersey to opening day, even if he goes somewhere, just to be that girl. Um, one other final piece of news, which I am super excited about, and we're going to close out the podcast with this today. There are rumors, according to Gordon Wittenmeyer of the Chicago Sun-Times, that Javier Baez and the Cubs have started contract extension discussions. What do you think of this one, Andy? 
what do I, what do I think of this one? Are you crazy? You only have like three minutes. (laughs) I know. I see that. I see. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. When I saw that pop up on my phone, I'm not kidding. It was at a stoplight with my three daughters in the car and some things came out of my mouth that I was not prepared for, but I was very excited. So (laughs) I, I am ready. This needs to happen. Like it should have already been done. Like, let's get it signed. I, I have an entire bucket of pens that I'm willing to hand deliver if you need them. Like, I will write for you. I can write fast. I mean, let's do this. Like, why is this not done yet? So I am excited. Definitely needs to happen. He is, my goodness, he needs to be a cub for, for good. You need to lock him down. Let's do it. This, this, get it done. See, I only took a minute. That wasn't bad. Yeah, no, that that's great. I mean, I am obviously for this. It'll be interesting to see what type of terms the two sides could come together on. I know I saw, I think it was on Al's side. I, I think I saw it floated like 7-140 at some point during the off or earlier during the season. Um, I imagine it might be a little bit higher than that. I think the hobby is worth more than that. And if that wasn't, if that was not a BCB rumor and somebody else is responsible for that particular number, I apologize. Um, I love this. I'm all for it. Hobby's expected to make $9.1 million next year. I think you could bump that up and do a seven or eight year deal. He's only 27 years old and that would be a win-win for the Cubs and for Javi and I, it would make me incredibly happy to have Javier Baez as a guaranteed member of the Cubs for that long. Absolute staple of marquee. Make it happen. Let's go. All right. So if the Cubs do ha- sign Javier Baez to a contract extension and or any of the Cubs get new cute puppies, you will hear about it on Cup of Cubby Blue. We'll be back. Um Actually, I'm not sure we will be back next week because it will be the Thanksgiving holiday. We will be if something crazy breaks, of course, but we will be back in two weeks after the Thanksgiving holiday for sure. We'll be back with any emergency news as it breaks. As always, you can follow me at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow Andy at Briz underscore Blue. And you can follow both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue. Have a good one. We miss you, Cubs. <laughs>